Well, good morning. It's so good to be back here. Uh, it's such a joy being here. Every time I'm here, you guys are so warm and friendly and kind to me, and, and uh, it's just such a joy being here. For those of you who are new, I'm Brandon Jacobs. I'm the lead pastor at a new church called Alive Nashville. In fact, we are so new, we are not even meeting on Sundays yet. We haven't even gotten started yet, even though we're, we're getting our, our engine revving right now. And uh, it's so exciting to be a part of a, of a new church that, that gets to, to be a part of the kingdom work that God is doing in Nashville with, with great churches uh, like Aspen Grove. And there's so many exciting things going on. And, and I really believe that it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. And we have all kinds of people moving to Nashville right now. And we have an opportunity like never before to reach people far from God and to help them follow Jesus. And uh, I'm just excited to be with my team. And, and for those of you who have been praying uh, for us, please continue to do so. We're building our community and inviting others into it, and, and there are stories of introducing people to Jesus for the first time, of those who have been following Jesus, but they've never really done anything with their faith, and now they're, they're activated like never before. It's just really exciting, so, and I'm, I'm glad that I could be here with you guys. It's a really challenging thing, too. I mean, starting a new church, it's difficult in fact, when, when God called Sarah and I to do this, originally we were like, no, we don't want to do this because it's difficult. I mean, ministry in general is a difficult thing, but starting a church from scratch, man, that, that is a difficult and challenging thing. But I've always felt like I'm the kind of person where I haven't really shied away from a challenge. I, I've kind of, you know, in fact, I used to be really cocky about it. I was like, oh man, I'm not afraid of doing hard things and, and doing things that are difficult. I'm, I'm not one of those guys who gives up. I remember several years ago, I was with a group of people at a church conference and uh, in conversation, it, that came up about big challenges and, and doing difficult things. And, and I was bragging. I was totally boasting and being prideful. And, oh man, I am, I'm not afraid of doing big, scary things. I'm not afraid of taking on big challenges. Well, I think God heard me saying that because at the end of that conference, everyone who was there got these little challenge cards. And so because I had been bragging earlier, everyone I was with said, oh, I have to open it in front of everyone and read what that challenge is. It was a mystery challenge. I had no idea what it was. So I stood in front of the group of people that I was with and I opened up this little challenge card and I pulled the card out and I read, it said, to run a marathon. Like a full marathon. What is it, 26.2 miles, whatever that is. Like that was the challenge. And I read it in front of everyone. I was like, oh, you got to do it. And I was feeling stubborn, you know, and, and cocky. And I was like, what? Well, I'll show you. I'll do it. Now, I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> but I don't have what you might consider a runner's body. <laughs> I have more of a sitter's body, right? <laughs> I like... I like sitting down. I mean, I like challenges, but not when it comes to running. Like, that was the one thing I was like, ah, God knew what he was doing. He was going to get me with that. But you know what? I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I enlisted Sarah uh, to be my buddy. I figured if, if she runs alongside with me, that'll, that competition, that'll spur me on, you know. But we knew we had a long way to go, so we had to start training. I remember the first time we got out on that track, got some new running shoes. You know, when you get new running shoes, you feel like you can run, you know. <laughs> got some new running shoes. On our phone, we had the app that was going to track our progress. And we said, we're just going to get out there and we're going to run as far as we can. We're just going to go as hard as we can until we collapse and we'll see what we're starting with, right? And, I, you know, eventually you got to run, was it like 26, 24? A lot of miles, right? <laughs> eventually. So we'll see how we can go to start with. And so we took off. There we go. Started the app, took off running. 
And we were going, I mean, it felt good. I mean, wind blowing in your hair. I was going at least 100 miles an hour, I think. It felt like it. And, uh, you know, you get going, new shoes are making me go faster and everything. And uh, you get going. After a while, though, you know, you started getting those shin splints, like right in the front here, you know. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, that's okay. I'm going to keep going. So now I'm hobbling, but I'm still going, right? I'm running, you know. And then you get the, the like, lung cramp, you know, like right under the rib cage here where you're like, oh, you know, so I'm like, Doing one of these, I'm starting to look pretty pitiful at this moment, I imagine. But I kept going. I was like, no, I'm, I mean, I ran for a, a good long time. And then you get the, you know, like the lungs burning, you know, where it feels like you're breathing fire and you're just gasping, you know. And I look over and I'm like, that's okay. Like, I, I felt like giving up, but I look over and, 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 and I knew if Sarah was going to keep going, then that would, that competitive thing inside of me would make me keep going. I look over, she's like trailing behind me, like, ah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, that's not helping at all, right? I said, come on, let's just keep God, keep pushing, keep pushing. I mean, we just put, I mean, we, every ounce of energy in our body and we ran, we just kept going and going and going and eventually just completely collapsed on this track. I mean, it was one of those where like you felt like physically terrible, but like inside you were like, yeah, man, like we pushed ourselves, pulled out the phone to check the tractor to see how long we had gone. And it said 0.35 miles. I'll be honest with you guys, that was discouraging. <laughs> that was, <laughs> it felt like we went a long ways. We did not go a long way. That, and I'll be honest, I'm ashamed to say we gave up. We were like, nope, that's not for us. I'm just going to, God humbled me. I'm going to go back to my friends and say we couldn't do it. We, could, we, we gave up, you know. And it, <laughs> there's, there's, there's so many things like that in life. There are times where that temptation to give up can be so tremendous. I mean, we take on these big challenges in life. And so many times we're ambitious and we're, and we're just, you know, we're so idealistic and we, we have these big goals and these, these good things that we want to do in our lives. Sometimes it's just life in general where it's just, man, things are thrown at me and that temptation to quit can be so tremendous at times. I mean, the, the reason is just because, I mean, if it weren't easy to quit, then we'd probably accomplish a lot more than we do now. You know, we have a lot more dreams than we have realities a lot of times. Because doing things is hard. Accomplishing big things is hard. I've heard it said anything worth accomplishing is going to be difficult. Anything worth doing is difficult. Man, things can be tough at times, especially the good things we try to do. And that temptation can be so tremendous to keep going, to persevere, to accomplish big goals when we're facing obstacles, sticking with things when it gets hard. I don't know about you, but I just feel like, ah, sometimes it's easy but sometimes it's really not easy. That's the reality of our faith, too. A reality of our faith to, to keep going, to persevere in our faith, to keep moving forward. There are times where that gets really difficult. I mean, even the way Jesus described following him, he described it in terms of, you're going to take up your cross and follow me. The cross, which is this symbol of execution, they executed people. This is sacrifice. There's going to be times of sacrifice. To carry this big, heavy cross is a heavy burden at times. That's what it's like to follow Jesus at times. He said to die to yourself, to deny yourself. Following Jesus can be really difficult at times. I think we felt this. I mean, when we want to do the right thing. We want to be who God wants us to be. We want to grow deeper in our faith and grow deeper in our understanding. We want to keep moving forward. Man, that can be so hard. That can be hard, especially when we're slipping up. We keep slipping up. You know, going down the right path and then I slip up off the path. Man, it's hard to 
get back up and get back in there. I know I've messed up, but I got to get back in there and keep moving forward. It's hard when I'm struggling with temptation. It's hard when I get distracted. It's hard when I'm exhausted. It's hard when I'm lost and confused. It's hard when I'm facing opposition. The temptation to quit can be tremendous. It's so difficult at times. And we're living in a time where a lot of people are quitting on faith and giving up on Jesus and leaving church. That seems to be happening more and more lately now. We see that in our culture. I mean, 70% of Americans claim to be Christians. And on the surface, that sounds amazing. Holy moly, there's so many Jesus followers out there. That's great. But we know the reality is nowhere near 70% of people are connected in a church. In fact, the number is closer to 20%. Less than a third of that. You're talking 80% of people are not connected in church. And we see that as our population is growing faster and faster and faster, most churches are not only not growing, but we're kind of plateaued, sometimes even declining. And I I don't know if that's because church is just bad. I think it's just because we're engaging in a difficult thing. Following Jesus can be tough. Trusting God can be tough. And more and more people are making that decision to give up. And I feel like a lot of us can relate to that, right? I mean, I don't want to say it's like, oh, you gave up on faith, you quit the church. A lot of us have done the same thing at times. If you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you can probably relate to that feeling. Maybe you can even say amen to that feeling because there are times where it's difficult to deal with church people because church people are people and people are imperfect. There are times where it can be difficult to follow Jesus. If you've done that for any length of time, you know that. And that temptation to give up is just... Is just is, is, is tremendous, and even more so when the circumstances or the, the people make it difficult for us. Maybe, you, maybe you've experienced that recently. Maybe you're, you're back now after a long absence. Maybe you've quit church, and now you're thinking about coming back. You're, you may be coming back. Maybe someone dragged you here. Maybe someone drugged you to get here. However you got here, I'm glad that you're here today. <laughs> you know? Maybe you're, you, you know, you, you've, maybe you've had that bad experience in church. I mean, we've got to kind of acknowledge that elephant in the room, right? There are a lot of people out there who've had a bad experience in church, right? And maybe you're one of those people. I know I am. I've been a pastor for 15 years. I've had great experiences in church. When I first came to faith, I found community. I found brothers and sisters in Christ who who just inspired something inside of me that I never thought was there to be the man that I can be. I've been boosted. I've been encouraged. I've been taught wisdom. I've been helped. I have been all kinds of things. And I've had those terrible experiences too, man. I've had that. I was at a church one time and, and I was a youth pastor at church and there was a scandal with the lead pastor. Oh yeah, one of those. One of those that you read about, right? I found myself in the middle of that going, what in the world is going on? And to see how people who claim to be church people, who claim to be followers of Jesus, who claim to be the, the people supposedly characterized by love, to see how we can hurt people. To see how so many people can be hurt. So many marriages can be hurt. See how a community can be hurt. And then in that opportunity to see others take that as an opportunity to say, hey, this is my chance to step in and kind of take control of things. It's like the way we responded to it was even hurtful. Man, I, I love the church. And even I have had that experience where I've been like, man, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if this is where I need to be. 
Many people have had that experience, and maybe you're one of those people. Maybe, maybe for you, it was when you were a kid, you had a faith that you were taught as a child, but when you became an adult, that faith didn't mature with you. It didn't add up. It didn't do what it was supposed to do. Maybe the things that we were taught as a kid. Maybe, and that's not a, a knock on, on kids' ministry. That's just saying, man, we had a, the, a childlike faith that didn't mature into an adult-like faith, and it didn't do anything with us when we became adults. Maybe the disappointments in life just piled up. Maybe the rules were just too hard. Maybe it's, we just find ourselves slowly drifting sometimes. Right? It's no big bad thing. It's no bad experience or negative thing. Maybe it's just sometimes we just drift away. We drift back, and that's good, but we drift away. I mean, that's just that's how it is sometimes. Maybe it's, man, I don't know if I don't believe in God, but it's just something I put down and I haven't picked back up yet. It's just kind of been on the back burner. Maybe some of you have a son or a daughter or a grandson or granddaughter who's bringing questions about their faith to you now. And as a kid, they were going to church, but now they're saying things to you, and, and you don't necessarily know how to answer all these things. And, but at the same time, you don't want them to give up on everything. The struggle to quit can sometimes be really difficult. And there's this, there's this uh, book in the Bible called Hebrews. It's this letter that was written by one of the early church leaders. And, and it's this beautiful, many people consider a literary masterpiece. We, we read a portion of it earlier. Um, but it's, this, it's, it's beautiful how the author was, was, was addressing this issue, was addressing people suffering, people being persecuted, people struggling with their faith, struggling to be obedient to Jesus, to follow Jesus. They were right in the middle of struggling to be a part of the church and to be a part of this community. And he says this, he reminds them of the people around them. He reminds them that you are not alone in this struggle. You are not the only one who ever feels this. He reminds them that there are ordinary, regular people who because they trusted God, they were able to persevere. And, and, and they weren't supernatural, but they trusted in something supernatural. And he reminds them, don't give up on God and don't give up on meeting together and don't give up on moving forward. And he says, and he says this, this is how we do it. I love it. This is how we do it. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. This hope that we have is worth running the race. This promise that we have is worth persevering. Even when it's easy to quit, it is worth it to keep going. Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Following Jesus and inheriting eternal life is worth persevering. He says, I have come. This is what Jesus said. I have come to give life to the full, full, abundant life like you've never experienced before. And it's not of the materialistic things that you might be thinking, but it comes from being connected with your creator. People, I'm telling you that is worth persevering. It is worth to keep going. And he says, we do that by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on people. We don't fix our eyes on people. We have those people in our lives. We have those heroes. We have those mentors. We have those parents. We have those pastors who are good people, but they're people. And if we fix our eyes on people, people will ultimately disappoint us because people are people. We're imperfect. 
We don't fix our eyes on people. They'll let us down. People are not the perfecter of our faith. It says Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. People are the screwer uppers of faith. <laughs> people will, will, will find a flaw in anything. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We can't persevere by focusing on ourselves either. It's not about trusting in ourselves. Trust in yourself. Trust, that's not what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. We, we don't find perseverance in that. You know why? Because there are the weaknesses and limitations of myself. And I know those weaknesses and limitations of myself more than anyone else. Why would I trust myself? I know me. I'm an idiot. I don't want to trust me. <laughs> I need to trust somebody better than me because I'm imperfect. There are times where I don't want to do the right thing and I want to be selfish and I want to do the wrong things. Why would I trust in myself? No, I need to trust in something better than that. Man, it's not about following my heart because sometimes my heart isn't righteous. That's not going to persevere me either. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus and never giving up because our hope and our perseverance springs from this simple truth that God, I am created by a God who knows me and loves me and that he has revealed himself through Jesus and he has shown his love through Jesus. And he has died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. Man, this is crazy. If Jesus is a big deal and he died for your sins, then that means you're a big deal too. And this free gift of complete forgiveness that he offers all of us is a big deal. And I'm more than just this. I can be, I'm created by a loving God and I can be reconnected with him, not because of me, not because of someone else, but because of Jesus. And when I remind myself of that, when I remind myself of who he is and what he has done for me, then I can respond in the right way. Sometimes I just got to remind myself of that. Not just like, man, I just got to roll up my sleeves and pull up my bootstraps and just have more grit. Those are good things. But what will ultimately pursue, uh, persevere me in my faith is reminding myself of Jesus and fixing my eyes on him, the author and perfecter of my faith. And I can keep moving forward. But man, sometimes the struggles we face are, are, are beyond just our faith. They're beyond just about giving up on God. Sometimes we struggle just to not quit on life in general. Right there are those times where, man, those seasons where life is just hitting us hard. Maybe, maybe you felt like that's been your whole life, where things have just been coming at you and hitting hard. I don't see any hope. This marriage that is just in shambles, this illness that is chronic and I've been dealing with, this depression that I have that just that takes all of the air out of my balloon, this addiction that I can't seem to overcome, this loneliness and isolation, and that is just driving me to to. to to stand still, this overwhelming stress and anxiety that I seem to always find myself being overwhelmed and overstressed. Man, sometimes life can just hit us hard. Man, that is tough to not just give up and say, you know what, I don't care. I'm just going to be cynical. And that's what cynicism is, is this, this callous around our hearts. Instead of having tender hearts, Instead of having soft hearts, we harden our hearts and form a callus around it. And we choose to indulge in cynicism and despair. 
And I'm not saying things like, I've had someone ask me about depression, like, man, I'm not saying depression is like, oh, man, there's some medical reasons for that. But sometimes we get in that feedback loop that traps us. We can have victory over depression. We can have victory over anxiety and loneliness and all of these other things, but not if we get into that feedback loop. Not if we give into despair. Not if we give into cynicism. But I understand, man, that temptation's huge. This hopelessness, man, I don't mean to bum us out, but that's a growing reality. More and more people are, I mean, there's studies going, you know, all these sociologists did kind of take the pulse of America. What's going on in America? Turns out everybody is lonely and sad. <laughs> right? I mean, the millennial generation experiences depression. It was like four times the national average. What is going on? The leading cause of death among middle schoolers is suicide. That's doubled in the past 10 years. Man, what is going on? It's almost as if there's a correlation between giving up on God and struggling with the things of life. Because the ultimate hope we have is found in Christ. Man, maybe the only thing I can say to you today is, don't give up. That might sound shallow, but man, hear me. Don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on moving forward. Don't give up on experiencing healing. Don't give up on moving towards victory. Don't give up on God because we can't just focus on today. It might look really bad today. And there are going to be those seasons and there were seasons, there will be more where today, if all I'm looking at is today, it's going to look really bad and really rough. But we can't just fix our eyes on today. Because it might look this way now, it might feel this way now, but don't give up because there's hope for tomorrow. Because when we're fixing our eyes on Jesus, when we choose to trust God, when we're faithful and obedient to Him, then He's working for our good. Maybe not in ways that, that we can expect or anticipate, but He's working. I love there's this time in, in uh, you know, 3,000 years ago, the ancient Israelites, I mean, you're talking about a people who suffered, suffered uh, in slavery under the Egyptians. God brought them out of that. Then they wandered in the desert for 40 years, but God got them through that and provided for them. Then their leader, Moses, died, but God brought up, raised up another leader, Joshua. And he says, I'm going to take you into the promised land. It's going to be great. We're coming to it. But they get to the river Jordan. They have to cross the river Jordan to get into the promised land. And it is harvest season, which is the flood stage of the river. Oh, we're going to cross this river and we're going to get to that promised land. Man, we've been through a lot. God, are you serious? You know, they, they were at this point where they're saying, you know what, let's just give up and go back. Let's go back to Egypt. At least we had food. At least we had a home. Let's just give up. And Joshua, their leader, steps up. He comes up to the people of Israel, gathers them together, and he says this in Joshua chapter 3. He says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Get ready because God's going to do something big. D trust him, and he's going to work for you in unexpected ways. And I love here, he told him, he's like, go out, take the Ark of the Covenant, and the priest, he told him, go out, step into the water. You know, they're thinking, they, they'd gone through the Red Sea, right? So the way that God's going to do something in my life, he's going to part the Red Sea right in front of me, and then I'm going to walk through it. And God said, nope, river's flooded, Go out and stand in the river. What? Trust in God. 
God's told us to do it. Go do it and trust him. They go out, they stand in the river. This is what it tells us, is as soon as they step in the river, what they don't see, miles upriver, the water begins to pile up. Now, you don't see the immediate effects of that right away. I mean, I can imagine, it doesn't tell us in Scripture, but I can imagine that they stepped in the water and they said, well, okay, I did what you wanted me to do, God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Now what? But it's amazing how God, it was right after they took that step in faith, right after they took that step in obedience, right after they took that step in trust, that's when God began to pile the water up upriver. We don't always see what God is doing upstream. We don't always see what's going on. We don't see everything, but God does. God paints on a canvas bigger than what we can see. God is doing things that we have no idea of. God doesn't set everything right at the end of the day, but God is at work and we have to trust in him. Sometimes I think our perseverance, it just needs to be stubborn. Man, when I'm, gonna, when I'm just going to get through this thing in my life, I'm going to get through this thing I'm struggling with, I'm going to be faithful to God, I'm going to trust that he's providing for me, even though I don't see it right now, that he will bless me in ways that even though I don't understand, sometimes to trust that, I just got to be stubborn. I think of the most stubborn person probably in all of history is Winston Churchill. This guy who led the British in, 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 in re repelling the Nazi invasion. I mean, he essentially led all of Europe. When, when this time in World War II, when the Nazis had invaded all of Europe, they'd conquered the whole place. There's nobody, America wasn't in the war at the time. There's nobody but the United Kingdom led by Winston Churchill. It's beautiful how he tried to rally the people. I mean, and he, he's, he's famous for these, these uh, um, um, speeches. He says, we shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. I think he's famous for this next one too. He says this, never give in, never give in, never, never, never. I mean, look at that guy's face. That guy looks, that's the face of stubbornness right there. That guy looks like an actual bulldog. <laughs> You know, I mean, he just looks stubborn, right? I think it's some, you know, another person I think is just stubborn. I think a Rocky man, Rocky Balboa. And one of the movies when he's talking to his son and his son is complaining about the difficult things, he's like, no, I haven't had it like you, dad. I, I can't have victory like you did because your life was easier than mine. And he, and he puts him in his place. Rocky puts his son in his place. He says this in this clip. Check it out. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day. It was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. 
Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you wanna be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. It's just a reality of our existence. It's a reality of the things that we pursue that there are times where we're gonna get hit. We're gonna get beat up. But don't give up. The Apostle Paul, probably one of the greatest evangelists in all of church history, who, who, who was a big part of spreading the message of Jesus all over the world. For 30 years, he's traveling to places that were hostile to the message of Jesus. For 30 years, he's working within the Roman Empire, this massive political, military, financial thing that is against what he's trying to do. But he kept going. For 30 years, he was imprisoned. He was beaten. They had mobs come and, 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 and beat him up and throw him out of town. He, he's going through courts. He was whipped. I mean, he was, he was attacked. At the end, he was executed. But he says this. He, when he's writing to the Christians who are also, he's telling them to persevere. This is his perspective on it. It's even better than Rocky's speech because there's something better that we have. He says this in 1 Corinthians, For God, who said, Let sh light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Let me point my, our eyes back to God. Let us point our eyes back to Jesus. The one that we are following, the one that we are trusting, is the one who made all things. And He has put that light in us. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, these fragile, disposable, breakable containers. But there's something precious inside. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on, on what is, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, is eternal." Light and momentary troubles. That's how he explains his life. This man who went through things like we would never, we'll never have to go through things that he went through in our lives. But he described them as light and momentary troubles because in the context of eternity, the things that we suffer and the things that we struggle with really are minuscule. Man, that's tough to say because in the moment it feels big, but in eternity, the things that we can overcome, these things are so small. We have to put that in perspective because when we believe what Paul was saying here, when we believe what the writer of Hebrews is saying, when we believe that Jesus has given us a gift of eternal life, when we believe that we have heaven in front of us, when we believe that, that God is working and that God is providing for us and taking care of us, and that even when we go through bad times, not that he will erase bad times, but even through those bad times, he will bless me and the people around me because of my trust. When we really believe that, we have a different perspective on life. 
Man, we're not focusing on, on, on the things that, that are right here. We have an eternal perspective because we believe in ultimate victory. We believe in ultimate hope. We believe, back like what Paul was saying, that the God who made all things still makes all things new. That I serve the creator of the universe and the things of this world are minuscule compared to him. And even my great suffering, not to diminish that in any way, but even that is minuscule compared to eternity. And we persevere when we have an eternal perspective. Not fixing our eyes on the material things in front of us. Man, too many of us, we say Jesus with our mouths, but we live as if we're atheists. I mean, think about that. We're functioning atheists. I believe in my paycheck. I believe in my education. I believe in my job. I believe in all the good things of this world, but those are material. Those things are temporary. Think about what we're saying. The God of the universe made us and knows us and loves us and is inviting us to be his sons and daughters. We're invited to live with an eternal perspective, to, to, to think of things on a larger scale. That's a living faith. God is calling us to not surrender to the things of this world, to not surrender to despair, to not surrender to cynicism, but to surrender to him. To have this posture of, I put myself in your hands. I'm, I'm trusting you. I really believe that's what fasting is all about. Man, it puts us in such a posture of weakness, of physical and emotional. I mean, if you've ever fasted for any amount of time, you know that, man, like my brain is foggy and I'm just grumpy and I'm tired and I'm just in such a position of weakness. And when I pray, I pray from a position of weakness and I'm just saying, God, I put myself in your hands and God, I trust you. And I don't always see what's going on and I don't always understand it. And, and, and sometimes I'm overwhelmed by it but I trust in you. Then we can live with that feeling, with that attitude that Paul has. He says, you know what? I'm pressed, but I am not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I am not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I might be struck down, but I am not destroyed. So there's one thing I can say to you. It's to have an eternal perspective. Fix your eyes on Jesus and never, 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 never give up. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, whether we're going through those times right now or whether we have those times on the horizon, I ask that, that you will help us to have an eternal perspective. Lord, help us to fix our eyes on you. Help us to not be distracted by the things of this world, but, but, but to put them in proper priority. All of the, the important things, help us to surrender them to you and put them under you. Lord, help us to trust you. And we ask that you will show up. Lord, in those times of, of struggle and trials, we ask that you will show up. Let us feel your presence. Let us see you working. Lord, please encourage us and bolster us in those times that we need that. But Lord, let our faithfulness be a shining beacon to the people around us that they can see, man, there is something supernatural at work in our lives and it is not us, but it is you and your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, please help us to hold on to the hope that we have in eternity. 
God, we thank you so much for that hope. We thank you so much for preparing a place for us. We thank you so much for Jesus who saves us and who has done all things uh, to, to, to bring us uh, reconnected with you. Lord, please help us, empower us, fill us with your spirit to continue moving forward in our journey of following Jesus in faithfulness and obedience. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen.